Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I am constantly testing new products that are coming out on the market to see what is really getting results and helping people heal faster. And one of my new favorite health boosting tools is C60 Purple Power. C60 is also called Carbon 60. It is a super antioxidant that lifts the oxidative burden at the cellular level. We know that oxidative stress and free radicals literally rust us and age us from the inside. If we're gonna heal and thrive in life, we've gotta be able to buffer the oxidative stress and the free radicals. Well, carbon 60 basically acts like a free radical sponge that helps our body to heal itself. C60 helps us fight inflammation, boost immune function, increase our energy and mental clarity. It promotes longevity, supports healthy aging, and supports joint health naturally. C60 Purple Power offers 99.99% pure sublimated carbon 60 that's never been exposed to dangerous solvents and it's delivered in 100% certified organic oils and it's made in the USA. They have got it infused, the carbon 60 antioxidant infused into organic avocado oil, organic extra virgin olive oil, organic MCT coconut oil, and they've got some special flavors, a cinnamon and an orange flavored MCT coconut oil as well. Most users notice an increase in energy and mental clarity after 30 days of daily use. I've been using this for 30 days, and I've seen that my energy improves. My recovery from the work from my workouts improves, and I just feel better. I feel better on a regular basis, and what I do is I take a teaspoon a day, and I typically add it to my smoothie that I have to break my fast, usually in the early afternoon hours, and if for some reason I forget it, then I just take it with dinner. And so again, you can add it to smoothies, different drinks. You can also just take it in a teaspoon form as well. This stuff is cutting edge and it's getting results, guys. And you can try it out now as well at www.c60purplepower.com and use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, all one word, D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S for 15% off your first order, or you can use the link c60purplepower.com forward slash jockers to get that 15% off as well. And if you're interested in learning more 
about the power of C60, carbon 60, and how it buffers oxidative stress and enhances the healing process, check out C60 Purple Power on YouTube at the C60 Purple Power channel. So try that out, guys. Would love to hear your results using C60 Purple Power. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I've got Dr. Will Cole here. He is the best-selling author of Ketotarian, as well as The Inflammation Spectrum, and his new book, Intuitive Fasting, The Flexible Four-Week Intermittent Fasting Plan to Recharge Your Metabolism and Renew Your Health. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm pushing the book up right here so you guys can see it. It's a beautiful book, and I always enjoy reading Will's content. He does a really great job. Um, at just explaining a lot of these topics and also making them very applicable. He's working with patients full time. And so, you know, a lot of these kinds of topics when it comes to ketogenic diet, when it comes to elimination diets and intermittent fasting, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's incredible science and, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of exciting things to talk about with that. However, there's a lot of nuances when it comes to putting it into practice and so when you're a clinician, you're working with people, you realize that you realize it's not a one size fits all. And Dr. Will really does a good job of that in his book. And we're going to talk about that in today's podcast. So Dr. Will, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, man. I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I'm glad it, it takes a podcast for us to sit down and talk sometimes, but we're, we're both busy. So I'm excited that it's happening. I know. I think I talked to you. I was around this time last year. You were actually mm -hmm. one of the first interviews we did on our podcast. Now we're I don't know, we're like 100 and this will probably be like 120, right? So wow. uh, hey. as far as our podcast. So there you cool. go. Number, yep. So your second time on, which is which is good because you always have a, you know, you have a wide plethora of topics that uh, you're an expert in and uh, really enjoy picking your brain on these topics. So mm -hmm. what was the inspiration behind uh, intuitive fasting and, uh, and writing this book? Well, I think that, um, it's as with anything that I write, I, I just love writing a lot of what I do with my patients. It's education and informing and, and saying things that you said are, are more maybe or more academic or abstract and like, well, how do you use this in a practical way in, in, in everyday life? I'm constantly used to, to kind of transmuting that into everyday life. So I love writing about this stuff, not just talking about it. And uh, so it's born out of my clinical practice, but it's this conversation that I've always tried to really inform my patients on is how do you have a mindful approach to fasting, a mindful approach to wellness at large? How do you have a mindful approach to food? So these, this concept is interwoven throughout all the books that I've written in Ketotarian, the Inflamectrum. And this is just this mindful approach to intermittent fasting. And it's paradoxical on purpose because it's also a conversation around metabolic flexibility. Um, because if someone's metabolically inflexible or metabolically rigid and they're bound by hangriness and blood sugar roller coasters and insatiable cravings, that's going to be things that are proverbial noise that will drown out the voice of our intuition on what really serves us. Like what's really going to better our life? What's going to improve our energy? What's going to improve our health? What's going to make us feel great? Um, well, those dysregulations in the body, physical level, will perpetuate you feeling horrible. You will go for things that will actually perpetuate you feeling horrible nine times out of 10. Yeah. So um, it's really a functional medicine conversation about calming the noise in the bodies. You can actually hear that resolute voice of your intuition to have authentic 
mindful eating or intuitive eating and, and authentic intuitive fasting, not because it's some arduous restrictive thing, but because you and I both know when someone's more metabolically flexible, you can go longer without eating, not because it's restrictive, but because your blood sugar is more stable because you feel better and you feel great when you fast and you can break the fast when you want. There's a grace and a lightness to this where I, that's another component of the conversation that I'm having in intuitive fasting. Yeah, that's so good. And I, and I know obviously in your inflammation book as well, you talk a lot about that because, you know, when we're talking about elimination diet, we'll pull out things that are most common sensitivities, but, you know, there could be things that, you know, everybody, you know, we might say, for example, blueberries are a great food, but you may not react well to blueberries. And so if you are eating blueberries, mm -hmm. even though you and me, even though they, they hear my podcast and I say, eat blueberries are the best food, you know, they're so rich in antioxidants, but you eat it and you don't feel good, then it's not going to be good for you. Right. So you got to really listen yeah. to your body. And, you know, Dr. Will, I don't know if you know my story, but that's actually how I found fasting because in 2000, uh, five, I actually, so I had irritable bowel and it, it got to the point where I actually ended up losing 30 pounds and I was in the beginning of graduate school and, um, I had, I had, uh, orthostatic hypotension, I go from sitting to standing, feel really dizzy. And I just started noticing, and I, I read the maker's diet by Jordan Rubin and, uh, you yes. know, made a lot of changes in my diet. Right. And, uh, but I noticed that I used to eat a big bowl of oatmeal for breakfast and, um, mm -hmm. I, I took that mm -hmm. out right? And I just started drinking water and I used to have 7am classes and things like that. And so I would just get really busy. And I stopped eating breakfast and I felt significantly better. And I had never heard the term intermittent fasting in 2005. Mm -hmm. And I, everybody was, I started gaining weight. I was stronger in the gym, had better energy. And I would eat from like two to, I would get hungry around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And I would eat, you know, typically like two meals, finish up around seven o'clock or so somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And I gained my weight back, got my strength back. And people were like, wow, they just saw the transformation that I was going through. And they're mm -hmm. like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm drinking a gallon of water between the time I wake up and noon. And I thought it was the water because I had never heard of the term <laughs> fasting, but it was kind of this intuitive approach, yes, you know? Yes. And so, so I, interesting. I totally agree with you. I think that uh, a lot of us are in the wellness world where we live and breathe this stuff there is an intuition that not everybody get they they read the science and they hear us talking about it and pontificating about it and i i want people to get that context of what you and i live like just like the way that we operate and function and we're okay with pivoting we're okay with experimenting we're okay with checking in with our body and adjusting it accordingly and there's not a rigidness there's not the this uh, sort of um, dogmatic nature to how we live our lives. And I want the rest of the world to have that too, to have a mindful approach to these things that it's, these things are tools to help us better our life. This shouldn't be a source of shame or obsession or restriction or dread. Feeling great is a place I call it in the book, food peace. It's like, how do we get to this place of like this resolute peace, this inner knowingness, this, this discernment on what's working for you and what's not working for you. And this whole conversation that's happening in the world today about fasting or wellness and calling it diet culture or restriction, you know, it's what's restrictive is feeling lousy. Having fatigue is restrictive. Mm. Being bound by autoimmune issues, that's restrictive. Having being bound by hangriness and insatiable cravings, that's restrict restrictive. So what I'm talking about is really feeling and being our best selves, feeling great. And that's food, peace and freedom to live the life that you were created for. So that's, 
a major part that I wanted to have around this conversation about intuitive fasting. And just because something's common in our world doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And really having a conversation about how humans can actually feel and doing things that actually are in alignment with our biochemistry. But it's interesting that you, Jordan Rubin's book, Maker's Diet was like a pivotal point for you. For me, it was in the night in the late nineties when I, before I was in health and wellness, I was literally, I was a teenager, but I read his first book, which I don't even know how to publisher. Yeah. I think it was just like a self-published <laughs> book. It was called patient heal thyself. Right. Right. Which it had like a picture of Jordan Rubin, like yeah. before and after that was like, for me, a early book for me is like a weird teenager. <laughs> like he talked about fasting then too. So it's, it's interesting that the same yeah, guy, exactly was like a pivotal point for us. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he got a lot of books out there. So he he definitely influenced a lot of people. I'm sure we've read a lot of the same books, especially as we grew up around the same age. And so uh, so I, I'm sure we mm -hmm. can talk a lot about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we really, when we talk about fasting, it's kind of like what you said, there's, you know, there's some people that really swear by it, right? I'm a huge, I'm a, I would, I would consider myself a fasting evangelist, right? <laughs> um, but there are, there's a lot of people out there that are really concerned about it. They're concerned that this could, you know, cause, cause um, eating disorders for people. They're concerned about reactive hypoglycemia and going, you know, multiple hours without food and how that could affect your metabolism and how that mm -hmm. could, um, you know, obviously cause poor eating habits in general, binging, things like that. And so what are your thoughts on all of that? Because uh, I know you talk a little bit about that in the book. I do. Well, I think like anything in the world, context matters. So it's very easy for us to say on both sides of the tribalist like conversation here, it's like, well, fasting's amazing and it, everybody more is better. And then the other side is like, no, fasting's uh, disordered eating and uh, or women shouldn't intermittent fast. And like the context lost on both sides, it's like, these are acts of hormesis. These are hormetic effects. They, they, they are amazing tools. So it's not about if it's good or bad, but how are you doing it that works for your body? And we're all different. This is the heart of functional medicine and what I do. And it, it, I think that that's really what I tried to bring home with intuitive fasting is what's intuitively right for your body at this mm -hmm. time. And there will be seasons in our life where we need less fasting. There's going to be seasons of our life or even days within the week where we need less fasting, but it doesn't mean we can't leverage the amazing benefits cyclically or, or this, have this vacillating ebbing and flowing uh, relationship with this amazing tool. And, you know, it's like any other hormetic effect, like high intensity interval training. We yep. don't always do high intensity interval training yep. and where we don't say that hit training is bad for people. It's just, how are you doing it? How much are you doing it? Do you need to modify it? Yeah, that's, that's there. Uh, or take a break from it certain times or, or same with sauna therapy. Are we always in a sauna? Are we always doing <laughs> uh, cold therapy? No, these are all amazing tools. The, it's the context matters of how you're using them. Mm. So I talk about that at length in the book and, Yes, could something like intermittent fasting be abused? Is it for people with eating disorders? No, it's not. But is it an amazing tool for the majority of the world that's struggling with metabolic problems? Absolutely. Uh, so as I say very clearly in intuitive fasting, this should not be and was not designed for, it's not an eating disorder disguised as a wellness practice. It is a tool to be used to better your life. If you have an eating disorder or a history of eating disorder, speak with your eating disorder specialist, speak with yeah. your doctor. Uh, and that's not to say that people with eating disorders in their past 
can't do it because I'll tell you there are many people in the fast intermittent fasting community and specifically I've seen clinically with my patients and the intuitive fasting community that they feel better than ever because when you get better blood sugar balance, better brain function, lower neuroinflammation and better hormone balance, that makes that heals your relationship with food. Actually, you feel, have a more of an agency over your life. Food isn't controlling you. You have that food piece that I talked about in the book. So I, I even then, it doesn't mean you can't do it, but you should talk to your doctor and your eating disorder specialist. But yeah, I think that people like to conflate chronic caloric restriction and diet culture with intermittent fasting. What we're talking about here is not chronic caloric restriction. It has nothing to do with that. So I think that people oftentimes are just, they don't really understand what we're talking about. And then they just like about some judgment on it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, I agree with you on multiple points there. I always say, if you've had a history of eating disorder, you shouldn't be making that decision to do intermittent fasting on your own. It should be, you know, with uh, you know, your, your psychologist, counselor, or a really close friend, somebody that can hold you accountable to make sure that you don't slip back into those patterns. And like you said, it could be one of the best things for you, but you just got to make sure mentally, emotionally that you're ready and that, um, you know, you don't slip back into bad behaviors. And then, you know, just like you were, you were talking about there with, with fasting, you know, there's, there's just a lot of nuances, you know, with, with, when it comes to exercise, you know, not everybody's gonna be on the same exercise program. It's kind of like that with fasting. You know, depending on your level of baseline fitness, right? Metabolic flexibility. Um, you know, somebody, one person's going to do CrossFit five days a week, and that's going to be amazing for them. And they're going to have great fitness and feel fantastic. Somebody else does that, and they're totally tanked. They're overtrained. And, uh, you know, so you got to find, you got to customize it. And that's where the intuition comes in. That's really what you focus on in the book. Mm -hmm. And so let's go. I know you have like a four week plan in here. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. And I know you use, diet variation and feast famine cycling. So those are key topics that mm -hmm. most of my audience is familiar with, but it would be good to, to go over that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and what that looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, on the outside of it, you know, I was putting the protocol together and really these are all each week is a different type of time compressed feeding window and different macronutrient. And these are all therapeutic tools that I use in functional medicine that we all use in functional medicine to uh, bring about positive change in somebody's health, improve labs, improve the quality of life. But I was quite aware of the, um, you know, without people understanding the context of the book, they, they're, they're going to think, well, why the heck is he giving us a protocol when he's talking about intuitive fasting? Well, the reason why I'm giving the protocol is actually to build metabolic flexibility, yeah. which is fertile foundation for intuitive awareness on what works for your body and what doesn't. So I, the analogy that I use in the book is like this proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. If someone's inflexible, like their hamstrings are tight, they're not really strong, they uh, would go to a yoga class and they would think, oh, yoga is unnatural. There's nothing natural about yoga. This is really difficult. How are people moving like this? And they could say, yoga is not for me. Well, it's not yoga's fault. It's your inflexibility. <laughs> That's the same thing with intermittent fasting. It's that you are, if someone's metabolically inflexible, bound by those insatiable cravings and hangriness and blood sugar problems, fasting will not be anything but intuitive. But as they lean into this and stretch and contract the metabolism with these vacillating, vacillating, ebbing and flowing fasting and eating windows and macronutrient variations too, 
we can start to train that metabolism similar that to yoga improving someone's flexibility and strength that's what i want for people's metabolisms the mitochondria the microbiome the rest of their body so um yeah that each week is different we start with a 12 12 in week one 12 12 time restricted feeding window you know 7 a.m to 7 p.m 8 a.m to 8 p.m in the fasting world, like we know that most people in the fasting world would think that's like the most uncool, unsexiest type of fast ever, right? What the heck? This is basic. It's basic on purpose. That's why I'm doing it because I really want people to get a foundation of that's it's like that beginner yoga class. You have to get a baseline for what works for your body. And some people that are reading the book, they're like, well, I already do 14 or 16, 18 hours. Like, do I, should I go back to 12, 12? I would say, yeah, try it out. Go back to 12-12. Give yourself a bigger eating window. Just go back to not eating too late at night. Sometimes the bigger eating window for a time can be really good at shaking things up um, on many levels when it comes to hormones and microbiome function and overall. Um, but we're pairing that with a ketotarian way of eating, which is the name of my first book, but it's basically a Mediterranean ketogenic diet for 12 12 because you're mimicking a lot of the benefits of fasting without actually fasting because you're yeah. still supporting ketosis so it's a good foundation uh and then in week two we go into about a 16 or 18 hour fast there's a flexibility there so i want people to lean into it and be mm -hmm. progressing in into it but that's the metabolic recharge week if week one's the body reset then week two is metabolic recharge and week three is a cellular renewal fast so it's an non-consecutive so for weeks one and two it was all whole week daily yeah uh, daily right uh, week three is non-consecutive almost omad week so we're really looking at the research around autophagy and stem cells and longevity benefits but almost omad because i find that getting all your calories in for the average person mm -hmm. in in that one hour more traditional 23 to 1 fasting the eating window that a traditional one meal a day or OMAD is difficult for some people. Mm. So by being a little bit more flexible, allowing your gut to a long, bit of a longer time to digest things and make it a little bit more accessible for people. And it's non-consecutive. So you have refeeding days in between the uh, almost OMAD days. So almost OMAD meaning 20 to 22 hours versus a 23. So it's a little bit more flexibility yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and uh, then week four, we're opening back up 12, but we're increasing clean carbohydrates. So I talk a lot about progesterone and thyroid hormone and all of the hormonal context that's important for this conversation around fasting because they think I can't do it. I heard them cycling women can't do it. I talk a lot about that in the book of how to leverage these benefits. So you can get both. You can get the best of both worlds. You can gain metabolic flexibility and all the amazing health benefits of fasting without thinking more is better. And then over time, you can impact your hormones in a way that we don't want. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you guys about Paleo Valley and their apple cider vinegar complex. This is a phenomenal product to help improve your digestion, your blood sugar stability, and your energy levels. Most people are dealing with blood sugar imbalances, and that can lead you to have a crash in the afternoon where you need a nap. It can also lead to unwanted weight gain, to inflammation affecting your joints, your skin, and all different parts of your body. Well, you know what? Apple cider vinegar is one of the best things for helping improve your blood sugar stability. You simply take it with meals, and it helps reduce the glycemic impact of the food that you're consuming 
And that's gonna help your body to burn fat for fuel. It's gonna reduce overall levels of insulin. And insulin is your pro-inflammatory fat storage hormone. We wanna get insulin under control. You know what I love about the apple cider vinegar complex that Paleo Valley made is they have a thousand milligrams of apple cider vinegar, which is equivalent to one and a half tablespoons. That is really the clinical dose to get the best results. On top of that, <clears throat> they combined it with 300 milligrams of turmeric, which is a powerful anti-inflammatory herb, 300 milligrams of ginger. These are warming herbs that support good digestion, good stomach acid production. They also help to reduce inflammation in the gut and throughout the body. And they have 150 milligrams of cinnamon, which is one of the best herbs for improving insulin sensitivity and blood sugar stability. And they added in 50 milligrams of lemon into the apple cider vinegar complex to support bile flow and pancreatic enzymes. So you can really optimize your digestion and your nutrient absorption. All these ingredients are organic. So you can rest assured you're getting the highest quality product. So if you wanna check out the apple cider vinegar complex, go to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off today. Yeah, and that's key. And, you know, one of the big, big components there is it's not like an all or none. Like, you know, I, I, for a lot of people, they think, okay, if you're intermittent fasting, it has to be all or none. Like you have to do a 16 hour fast every day, every day for the rest of your life to get the benefits, yeah. or at least like five days a week or something like that. And you don't necessarily, you know, for some people, you're just going to notice you feel a lot better doing it. Right. And there are other people that don't feel as well doing like that. So they've got to do it more intermittently or cyclically, kind of like what mm -hmm. you're talking about there. And I mm -hmm. think your book is really designed for the people, the, the people, and, and you have, you share a similar mindset as me. Like when I'm teaching somebody how to do intermittent fasting, I want them to have a great experience. If they have a great experience up front, then that's going to be a practice that they're going to have for the rest of their life. This is something, yeah. you know, we call it a fasting lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. This is something you want to be doing for the rest of your life. So if you have a bad experience, you're less likely to go back to that. And uh, by kind of doing it in this sort of four week plan, you're, you know, hedging your bets that, you know, the, those challenging cases, like, for example, the, the very lean, very active uh, menstruating female, that's kind of the, the probably the hardest population, you know, to get on the right, the right plan, because they have mm -hmm. a lot of things going on with their hormones are already lean in, in body fat. And so that's sending certain, certain signals to their brain. Uh, about, you know, basically energy reserves and uh, energy conservative is, or conserving energy mm -hmm. and uh, thyroid function and all that kind of stuff. And so mm -hmm. you're hedging your bets by doing this to where they can get the benefits, the autophagy, the reduction in inflammation, the improvement in the microbiome, healing the gut, but at the same time, not, uh, you know, overwhelm their system and still be able to produce the right amount of hormones so they can function well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then the because I've heard just about every, you know, excuse or reason or uh, should I do this or should I do that? I tried to put as many tailorings and pivot points throughout the protocol where they can yeah. check in with their body intuitively and say, oh, I need a little bit more of this. I want to do a little bit more of this. I want to do less of that. And that's what I really want is after you've done, you've cycled through the four-week protocol, maybe one or two or three times, 
you're going to learn a lot about your body because we're also, I brought mindfulness practices throughout the four weeks where they can really check in with their body, check in with their energy levels, check in with their digestion, check in with their relationship with food, check in with their relationship with fasting and use food and fasting as a mindfulness practice. They will have a built a lot of things physically for them, improve their health, et cetera. But B, they would have grown an awareness around food and fasting mm -hmm. that at a certain point, after you cycle through the four week protocol, you will evolve the protocol to suit your body. So then right. you'll know intuitively, like you said, like you'll one day you'll wake up and do an 18 and the next day you won't. That's what intuitive fasting is about. As you've gained metabolic flexibility, but also learned about yourself, that is fertile foundation for this, what I'm talking about, this more mindful approach to these wellness tools it doesn't have to be super stuck in the mind where it's like you have to do this or if you're a failure or you're to shame yeah. yourself it's yeah. not about that at all these are all tools that improve our lives yeah ultimately you know the the art of getting well and you know the art of healing and really functioning at our best i mean it's 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 kind of like getting an advanced college degree it's it takes time right it takes a lot mm -hmm. of experience you know, you don't have it in a month, right? It's something that you're progressing, you're learning about yourself and how your body responds to different uh, stressors that you're putting it mm -hmm. under and what the right uh, threshold is for you. And so <clears throat> you're giving a basic template. <clears throat> it's basic, but it's also actually an advanced template, right? So it's a basic template from the perspective that, you know, it's an easy way to start, right? You're starting by walking rather than running. You know, but then you start gently increasing your speed, ramping things up, right? And then kind of coming down gracefully, uh, you know, you know, kind of landing gracefully in a sense. And then that gives somebody a template to understand how they, you know, they, they've experienced multiple different types of fasts, um, you know, and, and that can help them start to kind of customize it for yeah. themselves, right? And listen to their own intuition. So I think that's really great. Thank you. Yeah, that's another thing too, you're right, is that they they'll be able to experiment with all these different types of fast. And I, that's what I've seen already with the intuitive fasting community online is that they are evolving the protocol as they mm -hmm. intuitively grow in metabolic flexibility. And we're all different. That's bioindividuality. That's the heart of functional medicine. So mm -hmm. it's, it's so important. It's cool to see the context come through on this, where we know the amazing science around intermittent fasting um, to really have people experiment it for themselves and they can make it work for them long-term. Cause that, like you said, when you start feeling good, that's encouraging. Yeah. But when you also know this is going to be flexible where it's like very much something you can continue to do is really important from a, from a, is this going to serve you long-term, which is what I really wanted for people. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about you personally. What, uh, what is your typical fasting cycle, your typical intuitive fasting cycle, like on a week, on a weekly to monthly basis? Well, I mean, the other side of this, the protocol in the book is it's honestly things that I do all the time for myself. Yeah. So it's it's really the protocol and intuitive fasting is something that I do. Um, and I'll oftentimes will, and especially when I was writing the book, I really did it exactly how I put it in the book, just to continue to refine it and make the best it could be. Because you know, as a clinician, when you're talking to people and you're consulting people via webcam like I do, it's different because you the science and the arts a lot more you're seeing the person you know their labs you know how to make this work and you can adjust it and tailor it specific to them when yeah. you're writing a book and you're not there clinically monitoring somebody 
it's a completely different world from an educator's standpoint. So I, I needed to make this protocol make sense if I wasn't there managing the case. Uh, so I went through it and I really did it um, on my own uh, as I was writing the book. But the reality is it's what I do, but I do it intuitively. So I, one day I'll show up and I'll do an 18 hour day. I really like the 18 hour fast. I do that probably more than anything when I'm consulting patients because I'm here 10, 11 hours a day at the clinic. Yeah. And I love the morning, just I'm really sharp in the morning and then I break my fast around lunchtime and I feel fueled for the afternoon and super mm -hmm. sharp then. There's the the grace and the lightness that I have there. But then maybe one day I'll show up in the morning and I really want breakfast and I'll do a 12-12 and mm -hmm. I'll have a bigger refeeding day. So it's constantly ebbing and flowing intuitively for me and I can have a plan for the next day. But... I can wake up in the morning and have the awareness of what, what my body needs at that morning to say, you know what, I plan for that deeper fast. I'm not going to do it today. I need a little bit more refueling today. I'm, I'm going to take it easier. And that is what I want people to have for themselves. Like today I'm doing an OMAD day. I'm actually doing, I'm doing a little bit more of an OMAD week this week, um, which is a little bit modified. It's a little bit more brothing in the afternoon. I'm doing fast for the better part of the day. And then the transition break the fast meal that I talk about in intuitive fasting for me is just broth. And then I'm having a dinner in the afternoon. So that's what I'm doing this week. But, um, and I feel great doing it, but I don't always do that. Yeah, that's a great, great way to break the fast too with something like broth or a smoothie or something like that, <clears throat> especially when you're doing OMAD because, you know, after a certain period of time, you start producing less digestive juices. Mm -hmm. So when you do break that fast, you know, if you're fasting for 22 hours or something like that, you want something nice and gentle, at least initially, right, mm -hmm. to kind of kickstart things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can munch on some ginger or, you know, drink some ginger herbal tea that can help as well. But doing like broth or a smoothie, things like that can be really helpful. I know you talk about some of that in your book. You talk about some of the herbal teas, too, that you like to drink while you're fasting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, love, I, tea, I love tea, man. Tea's like, I think tea's one of the best fasting drinks there is um, because you have all the, th I mean, even from Earl Grey tea with the bergamot and the supporting autophagy pathways, which fasting already does to the world wide array of different types of green teas and black teas with caffeine caffeinated types of true teas from Camellia sinensis. But then look at the, all, the amount of herbal teas out there. Like you said, like ginger tea to support digestion mm -hmm. or rooibos or hibiscus. Or, um, there's so many amazing teas out there. So I really wanted to highlight them. A, because it was kind of on a selfish level, it was like my chance to like talk right about tea yeah. <laughs> in a fasting yeah. book. Because I just like, I like talking about teas. But it actually served a purpose because I know it makes someone's fast a lot easier. It can curb curb yeah. appetite and it's something to enjoy because it take they all taste differently so it's like enjoyable during your fast so i yeah i think it's a great tool and i want yeah to and highlight. warm beverages are very good they actually help stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system yeah. vagus nerve and one of the big challenges for if, if people are not moving their bowels well right if you're more constipated you're gonna have a lot more trouble fasting because mm -hmm. Now you've got gut-induced endotoxemia where you've got all this, you know, bad bacterial waste and, you know, food that's in your system that's fermenting and it's starting to get in your bloodstream because it's not moving through your system. Yeah. Sometimes just some warm, a warm drink, right? Coffee is known for helping and the caffeine's mm -hmm. part of that. Um, and there's also caffeine and herbal teas, green tea, things like that. 
Um, and that will help because that will help contract the intestines, but also just the warm, the warm drink will stimulate the vagus nerve, stimulate more of that peristaltic activity. You, you, you have some good bowel movements in the beginning of your fast that really sets you up for success. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely something people need to check in with themselves because you know, there's any change of food changes, any change of eating patterns like fasting can shift the microbiome anyway, we want to make sure things are moving appropriately. Um, and checking in with your digestion as well as using using that as a mindful practice yeah. as well, because you have to be on top of these things. Yeah, so true. So let's talk about, you know, you, you went through again, those four weeks, what were the names of each week? Yeah, talk about what's actually happening. In- so you know, in each of those weeks, other than just the fasting strategy, you talked about the strategy, but I want to know more about what's happening physiologically. Yeah. So I really wanted to highlight the research that's out there in the journals Mm -hmm. in the corresponding week that we're really kind of highlighting. I mean, look, and these are all interconnected because the state of ketosis, the state of autophagy, the state of hormesis, the state of lowering inflammation levels, all the benefits that we're talking about, they are so interconnected. So yeah. what I really wanted to do is saying like, what is the, what are the research, what's the research pointing to with like different types of fast? What is a lot of, what are a lot of the studies looking at with this type of fast? So it, it worked out well where it was week one was body reset. So let me just preface all of this. It's reset, yeah. recharge, renew, rebalance. That's the yeah. four weeks, but specifically the science around it is like the body reset fast. The reason why I call it that is like, Okay, 12-12, there's really cool research on looking at the microbiome uh, circadian rhythm, how certain colonies of bacteria are higher in the morning, some are higher in the evening. So by doing just a simple don't eat too late at night, allowing your body to fast through the night until you break the fast the next day when you have breakfast, uh, it's it's resetting the body and the microbiome. So week one is body reset. Week two, metabolic recharge. Metabolic, it's, I'm talking about cardiometabolic markers of insulin resistance, really. And all the research that's in the studies of looking some, you know, 14 to 18 hour time restricted feeding windows in all the, the cardiometabolic improvements, mm. lowering insulin yeah. resistance, lowering inflammation, improving insulin sensitivity, all that cool stuff. So that's what I'm highlighting in week two. Week three, cellular renewal, it's the deeper fasts talking about autophagy and stem cells and longevity and sirtuins and all that stuff. And then week four, hormone rebalance, it's the conversation about cycling. It's the conversation of like, how do we increase uh, support progesterone function and support thyroid conversion and support cortisol balance, all that stuff. So that, um, those are the four weeks and the names of them. Yeah. So good. And, you know, we know that insulin, you know, insulin gets a bad rap because insulin is actually a life-saving hormone, right? If we have uncontrolled high blood sugar, those sugar molecules will bind to proteins and create sticky proteins, advanced glycation end products, and then they damage nerves and kidneys and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, we, insulin takes the sugar out of the bloodstream and puts it into the cells, Problem is that in our society, we're constantly shooting up insulin. And so that's where fasting really comes in because it's the best, you know, you can follow a low carb diet, but you're still going to produce more insulin with that um, than you would fasting, right? So fasting really brings that insulin down. Mm -hmm. However, we can also bring it down too far and we need insulin for Mm -hmm. a lot of hormonal functions. So, you know, by like that week four where you're talking about, okay, now we're cycling, Mm-hmm. Right. What you're doing there is we've already suppressed insulin because you've done the OMAD uh, for several days, which suppressed your insulin levels. And now you're shooting it back up. Right. And talk about the benefits there. Yeah. 
So, and I would say the insulin and then leptin I find too is like, yeah. which they go hand in hand oftentimes, but the, what I've seen clinically is especially like you said, the people that are already leaner to begin with, and they're, they're looking to yeah. fast for longevity, improving brain function, lowering inflammation, gut health. Like those are the top typical reasons why they're fasting or just wanting to be healthier. Um, where if your leptin's already normal going into the fast and for people that don't know, I mean, most of your people know, but basically it's a hormone that your fat cells produce. And a lot of people are leptin resistant. They're hypothalamic cells of the brain. The receptor sites are blunted and leptin's high on labs when we run them and they're, they're high a lot for a lot of people, but not everybody. So it depends on what we're coming in with this. So those clean carb cycling days, those modifiable adjustments to the protocol can happen at any point for someone that's cycling female that she she can make it around her cycle. So basically yeah. clean carb cycling around her period and around ovulation. It doesn't have to be bound by that, just that four week. There's other adjustments throughout the four yeah. weeks. But um, leptin is something that we want to be in the sweet spot, just like insulin, but insulin and leptin, we don't want them too high, not too, not too low. It's the Goldilocks principle. We mm -hmm. want it just right. And the problem is ketosis in this low carb keto, uh, ketotic state for too long for some people, it's going to create this, uh, not a good problem either. They're going to feel it, it's going to create fatigue. It's going to create, uh, they're kind of stuck at this plateau, but by having the variability it modulates it up a little bit and you'll see insulin come back up and leptin come back up, it'll move them past their plateau. So I, I think a lot of times this tool within what I'm talking about intuitive fasting is really good for people that are, have been in the keto community for a long time, people that have been in the fasting community for a long time, because they think, well, this worked really well for me for a long time. Like, why am I stuck at this plateau? Well, shake things up a bit. Like uh, mm -hmm. variability is a good thing. You're not a failure. <laughs> like and, and higher ketones at all costs isn't the name of the game long-term yeah. for most people. And you can see you're still maintaining metabolic flexibility uh, with these slight pivot points. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think really what you're, what you're really going for is you want, you want to have the ability, like our ancestors, they weren't trying to avoid carbs. So, you know, when they found berries, when they found fruit, when they found, you know, starch, they ate as much as they could. Um, you know, they feasted yeah. on it, but it was just for short seasons because that stuff doesn't, you know, grow year round. They didn't always have access to it. And you want your bodies, you want your body to have the ability to have a higher carb day, right? But then be able to, if you wanted to, you know, be able to fast the next day, right? Or go low carb and feel good, right? And and so really food now becomes more of something that, you know, obviously you're trying to choose healthy, nutritious food, but at the same time, you know, you're not, uh, you're not fearful, other foods yeah. that you're around. And you're also not fearful of fasting. You go through periods of time where food isn't around or you're just really busy and you're not fearful. Instead, you're embracing those times. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's food peace. I mean, that's not being yeah. bound by the next craving and the next lack. Like I know some people, even in my own family, I'm not going to call them out, but like yeah. they will have a panic attack if they know if they don't have a snack on hand. Yeah. Uh, and that's no way to live. That's not right. fun. Or they just are like, they can't control those insatiable cravings. And they wouldn't be people that you would be able to diagnose them with an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a larger eating disorder spectrum that's going on mm -hmm. in our country today, where it's like, that's pretty disordered eating too. That's yeah. not a diagnosable eating disorder, but it's an unhealthy relationship with food uh, that we just normalize in our culture. You know, it's just yeah. every day. And just 
how are we in alignment with our physiology, basically? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so good, guys. The book is Intuitive Fasting. And the cool thing is it's a fasting book, but he's actually got a ton of recipes in here too. <laughs> so he found a way to throw in a whole bunch of recipes. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, people really enjoy in the book. He also goes a deep dive into like different herbal teas like we were talking about and how to use those. And, uh, you know, it's just really well written. There's a lot of really great content in here. Um, you know, guys, if you guys have liked and enjoyed my content and my books, I know you're going to like this book. So definitely check it out, Intuitive Fasting by Dr. Will Cole. You can find it on Amazon and uh, drwillcole.com as well. You can follow him on social media. Any last words of inspiration for our audience? I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the conversation and what you bring to the space. You know, I think the people uh, are going to love the book. And I think that all of these things, what I really hope is that when people have a healthy relationship with food and fasting and use this tool to better their life, what happens is that health becomes infectious because other people see the light that you have in your life. And I see it all the time where it's like their family members and their friends and their family, like their, their spouses want to get involved too. So I just want to like, I, I like how you said it, a fasting evangelist. So I think that <laughs> that's the same way how I feel yeah. of like, how do you like spread these amazing tools that can better your life? Absolutely. Well, you know, fasting is really the most ancient and expensive and powerful healing tool known to mankind. You know, I've been saying that for a long time. And I think it's something that everybody can implement at some level, some degree. Uh, you know, really for the rest of your life and get incredible health benefits and live a longer life, have more energy, better brain function, and, uh, you know, be more present for the people in your life. And, uh, you know, Dr. Will's book is a great guide for helping you get started and helping you kind of work through different challenges and nuances that come with fasting. So guys, check that out. Will, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you so much. And uh, I guess after another 100 episodes, we'll have to get you back on again. <laughs> you get to come on my podcast. I know. I know. We, we're, we'll do it for sure. Okay. All right, my friends. Be blessed. See ya. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.